Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Hey, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from southwest Louisiana. How are you guys? I hope you're well. Your week is going well, and uh, you are in, by the time you hear this, you are in the post-Sukkot recovery period. <laughs> um that your life is um, is getting back to some sort of rearranged um, uh, arranged chaos, and um, that things are getting back to uh, your you know your your normal schedule again after Sukkot, and I hope your week is going well. Still living in the residue of what I pray and hope was a phenomenal, phenomenal time with Hashem, with family, friends, community. And uh, I just hope you had a wonderful, wonderful uh, Sukkot, a wonderful eight days. And uh, so today we are going to kind of talk about some stories, some things that happened with our Sukkot personally, and want to talk about uh, specifically Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day, and Simchat Torah, which again, by the time you hear this, will have passed, but that's okay, uh, because it's not only a one-day thing. And that's what I want to talk about uh, today. So, hey, for those of you who are checking in for the first time, I hope that you uh, enjoy the conversation. Stick around. And we have special guests on from time to time. And uh, it's just a, it's a great community that, that is developing around Image Bearers Radio, all uh, really with the intent to... Uh, to to give God a good reputation and to to show His uh, His image in our world. That's what we're all about, and these conversations hopefully promote uh, growth and help us to do that. So. Uh, welcome. If you're coming back, great to have you guys back, and uh, pray that you enjoy <clears throat> our conversation here on this episode. So just ahead of time, if you're sitting down somewhere listening to this, if you're in a coffee shop or you're at home or uh, maybe you're at work on break, hopefully not while you're working, uh, and certainly not driving, uh, but if you would, we're going to be in Vayikra, Leviticus 23, uh, as a jumping off point. So if you want to go ahead and go there, you can. Uh, but before we begin, as we always do, we like to go to the Father, and just ask him to bless our time together. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, we bless you for this incredible season, the season of our joy. And Father, we pray that as we get back to the mundaneness of our lives, that we would not lose that. We would take it with us and spread it to the world around us so that we can bear your image in a better way. All 
All right. Well, I hope that you had, as I said before, a wonderful Sukkot. I hope that you're uh, still enjoying the residue from the things that God did uh, for you and with you, in you, through, uh, through throughout Sukkot. And I know that uh, many of you, even even many of you that don't have a, a, a regular Shabbat congregation or a local community, uh, traveled somewhere to, to keep Sukkot with, with another group or just with a group of individuals maybe that decide to get together and, and uh, go to a campsite or out in the woods or someone's farm or something. And uh, I just want to just say, you know, I honor you for, for pick, packing up your life, uh, your family, and, and taking time to really set apart and in in your way, um, you know, in some way, honor the Father's uh, festivals. You know, it's uh, it's it's an incredible thing, and, and I'll talk a little bit about our Sukkot here at OAM. I don't want to take the whole episode to do that because I do want to talk about Shmini Atzeret. But uh, you know, I, I see a lot of these these uh, shows as a, as a conversation. And even though I don't get to hear you back, it's a way for me to kind of share my heart and uh, and hopefully give you some things to think about. And if you're anything like me, when you listen to a podcast or a uh, you know something like that, I have a conversation with the people that are talking, even though they can't hear me. Uh, we have a conversation about it, and I say, well, yeah, I don't know about that, or yeah, I love that. That you know, it's a great point, and I'll pause it and add my own points and continue the conversation. So uh, maybe it's just me. Then if it is, don't worry about it. But uh, I hope that. Um, that you had, you know, I honor you for for the commitment that you made, and um, I don't think we realize what a a change uh, that has really happened in us. And I've talked about this during our Shabbat fellowship. Uh, by the way, if you are looking for a congregation or you're just looking for somewhere else to hang on Shabbat, uh, we do live stream our Shabbat services 10 a.m. Central, uh, out of org, or you can find us on Facebook or on YouTube, and. Uh, so I mentioned this, you know, I don't know that we really have a good grasp and really understand or remember or, or just take time to really think about the massive and radical change that many of us have gone through. Um, going from a Sunday, you know, Sunday worship uh, and that as a uh, as a, a time, a marker of time and a marker of cycle, uh, time, you know, cyclical time. Uh, where our whole lives are kind of arranged around Sunday um, versus a Shabbat uh, rendering of time and how that really shifts everything. And then when you start to add the feast days and <clears throat> and the other things of Torah that we begin to, you know, to implement, um, you know, what happens between the way that maybe many of us grew up and the way our children will grow up just because of this, you know, this shift and it is, it's absolutely astounding. And, and I, I, this week at Sukkot, I've been overwhelmed at the, uh, just the generational trajectory that is being changed by Hashem through the way he's leading us. And it is profound. It is absolutely profound. Um, and so I, I, again, I hope if, if you did though, uh, celebrate Sukkot on your own, um, you know, maybe with a small small group, maybe you had people over to your house and you had Ushbazin, you had uh, guests for uh, in your sukkah or at your home. Uh, again, I hope it was equally enriching. And, you know, there, there can feel like sometimes we miss things from community. And I think there are things that you miss from not, you know, having the, the privilege of being in a community. Um, however, there are some real advantages to, to doing this alone and to going it alone and to doing it uh, anyway, even if you are doing it alone. Uh, there are some massive, massive advantages, in my opinion, 
Uh, and, and one of those really in particular is just um, groundedness, centeredness, um, security, and, and, and responsibility. And that, that sometimes in fellowships we, we miss because we, many of us or some of us have this issue of, uh, well, you know, in the church, maybe, uh, maybe your church was like this, maybe it wasn't, but maybe in the church you, you kind of put off personal responsibility because, well, you went, you know, the, the church kind of took care of taking care of the needy and, and feeding the, you know, feeding the hungry and, and taking care of the homeless or helping transients or, you know, doing single mom, um, you know, uh, uh, ministry and different things like that. And, and because you, you, you know, you pay, you pay your tithe and you have a church staff or a pastor that it's easy to hand off that responsibility in some communities. And yet whenever you are, whenever you don't have access to that community, you really have to be the one that motivates yourself and stirs up your own, uh, you know, your own passion and your own desire and, and stirs up those gifts within yourself. Uh, when you don't have someone cheering you on and, 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 you know, and personally, uh, affirming you and helping you, you have to really be, uh, one heck of a strong person to consistently uh, commit and to, to, you know, consistently walk out, faithfully walk out uh, these things where Hashem is leading you. And I just, I mean, to you, those of you that keep uh, the feast, keep Shabbat, you know, without a community, I have the absolute utmost respect for you. I'm big about community, uh, but I understand that's not possible for a lot of folks. And I just have to tell you, my hat is off to you. It is, uh, my wife and I did this without community for a long, long time. And it, it was very, very difficult at some time, at some, you know, sometimes, uh, but we also grew, we put down roots and we established uh, some really important principles and foundations in our lives during that time. So uh, again, I, I do pray whether it was in community or whether it was on your own that Hashem has really has blessed you and met with you uh, in your sukkah and during Sukkot. Um, this Sukkot for us, of course, every festival, every time it comes around annually is always a little different, um, which is just really cool. I think it's different because uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one, I think each time the, 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 the Moedim come by, uh, it's, it's different because the world is different. Each and every year, the world is changing and, um, and you know, we're in a different headspace. And, and we're different places emotionally and mentally reacting to the changing world around us. And so I, I think that each, each time the feasts come around annually, it, it's in a different context, right? It's in a different, a different perspective. And, and we're also different. You know, secondly, I kind of say we're also different each year. Hopefully we learned some stuff the year before. We've been growing throughout the, the Parsha cycle and, and through prayer and, and, and through hearing God's voice and, and taking us through tests and trials and, you know, and winning some and losing some and uh, having some good life moments and some really terrible life moments. We're growing and we're different people. So the feats hit us differently when they come around each year. Uh, as a community, we, uh, our community grows in different ways, right? People leave, people come in, uh, you know, you have a dynamic situation when it comes to community. And so that makes things a little different. Our shared experiences make it different. And uh, every year, especially for Sukkot, just because it's so extended and, and you, have, you have so much time together, it really makes it a little easier, in my opinion, to kind of assess where you are and assess how things are differently. You have some time of, of just kind of hang out and meditation. Uh, you, you have some time to just really kind of take inventory and take stock of where you are now compared to where you were last year. 
and even dream about, you know, and, and have some vision about where you're going to go next year, where you'd like to go next year, uh, mentally and spiritually, emotionally, etc. Um, this was the case certainly for us this year. Uh, this is actually, you know, I, I would say I'm ashamed to say this. I'm really not. Um, but we have hosted, OEM has hosted Sukkot, I think, for four years now. Uh, and we do it out at our family farm. My in-laws have uh, beautiful oak trees around their place. And so, you know, we don't know ever in Louisiana if it's going to be 115 degrees for Sukkot or whether it's going to be in the 50s. We just, we don't know uh, until like a week before. And so uh, instead of doing it at our, our facility, which is beautiful, which you guys help support and, and get us into, and so I'm so very thankful, uh, instead of doing here, we have like not a tree one in the main part of the property. Uh, we do it out at our farm. We have beautiful big oak trees. It's shady. It's, it's really, really nice. Uh, we have cows, so you can hear the cattle and the horses playing and the donkeys and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it, it's a really cool environment and a cool place. And, and it decentralizes things from all, having everything always at the building all the time. You know, everything always. In other words, if you have something religious, it has to be at the church building or it has to be at the building. And I don't, I don't like that idea. I like getting things away and, you know, you can meet God anywhere, that kind of thing. So uh, it was different for us uh, this year. Uh, again, it was so deep uh, this year and so emotional uh, in a good way. And I think a lot of that is because our community uh, here locally is growing and is, uh, is getting to mesh in a really, really cool and deep way. Uh, as we spend time together in the Word, as we just do life together, we're beginning to really get to know one another and to understand how one another ticks and how we're wired. And uh, we had some great late night campfire discussions uh, you know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and, you know, finally most of us phoned it in, you know, right before 3 o'clock and a couple of nights, but uh, some great, you know, campfire conversations and discussions and debates uh, and just wonderful, wonderful time together. Um, this year we did less uh, structure and less teaching uh, and more just kind of hangout time, open time, where people spent each other, you know, spent time at their own own tents, uh, and maybe somebody came by and hung out, you know, and visited, and we had a lot of that. Uh, and I'm just, I'm kind of recapping our week for you, just in case you're looking for ideas or something that something that maybe we do may inspire you. We take inspiration from other people's experiences. So we have several, you know, families and stuff this year that had been at other Sukkot uh, gatherings in the last couple years, and we took inspiration from them. And, uh, and try different things. And, uh, you know, everybody's coming from a different perspective and everybody has a different expectation. And so we, you know, we, we, we stripped down the structure a little bit, not as many uh, teaching opportunities, but more visiting and just kind of living together opportunities. And it's, it, what it did was it sprouted more kind of spontaneous, um, spontaneous, you know, discussion and just talking about not only scripture, which is really important, but just about life. And kids and, you know, struggles and victories. And it's just, it was so, so deep and so profound. And I know that many of you know what I'm, what I'm talking about when I, when I say that. We were phenomenally and incredibly uh, fortunate this year to have some of our online family that visited us and uh, came in for a few days. Just kind of last minute decided, hey, we need to go. And, you know, it's, you guys see us every week, you see me every week, those of you that watch our weekly live streams, and I, I hope more of you do, uh, but I don't see you, you know, and, and we may message back and forth, or, you know, we may even Skype call or, or Zoom or whatever, but, but for people to, uh, th as the, as the kind of originator of this ministry and pastor, 
it is absolutely it defies words for me to um, to you know think about people flying halfway across the country uh, to come to a little small rural town with a little small fellowship uh, you know in the in in the the ankle of the boot of Louisiana and uh, and to come and and want to be here and be excited about it and so that's just absolutely incredible. Uh, and next year, I believe we'll have more of our online family that comes in and says, you know, we guys, we watch you guys every year or every week, and we know you and we we love you. We want to come meet you and put our arms around you and and see your you know see your face and and hear your voice and, and meet everyone else. And I, for me personally, that was one of the most profound things of the week uh, as we got to talk you know together with these folks and and just really get to enjoy them and. Get give to them because they happen to live in a place where there's not a ton of community. And, uh, and so just to, to pour into them and to, uh, you know, just to, to stuff them uh, with everything that we could, encouragement and love and, and, you know, resources and knowledge and wisdom and, and all the things that we could was just so unbelievable. And um, so I, I, you know, I hope to see more next year because it, it, it does something to us locally. And I say on our live streams all the time, that um, when we welcome our online family, you know, to the service, it's really important. Uh, it's really important that our online family knows that we're here, uh, because most of them don't have community and and are looking for a connection. It's really important that we are here, you know, as a local congregation. It's important to to our online family. But I don't ever want anybody to lose the fact that it is as important that our online family knows that there are people out there. It's important for our our local OAM family to know that we have a radio show called Image Bearers Radio, right? Where where people from I don't know where uh, are listening, and and that that we're we have this connection, and it's so so vital and so important and so cool, uh, and so we we just had just an amazing time. And um, we we generally in the past because people work and because we're we're young ministry and many of us are learning uh, about you know what it means to to really keep the fathers uh, set apart times and stuff. Um, we've done four days, five days over a long weekend kind of thing in the past. Uh, and this year we we did all seven days of Sukkot, and unfortunately uh, we could not stay uh, camping and stay out for uh, Shmini Atzeret because we had a massive thunderstorm move in, and it rained literally all day. Uh, roads were closed, and it was just a flash flood kind of situation. And uh, so we decided to to phone it in and drag up the day before, and uh, everyone who helped, and it was just it was just really, really, really incredible. But we did. Um, on the on the seventh day, which is Hoshana Rabbah. So many of you will know this, but uh, we'll talk about it when we go through the actual passage for Shukot. Uh, the last day, uh, Hoshana Rabbah. Um, we did talk about Hoshana Rabbah, and we did some of the, the the blessings and the prayers, and out of the Maksur, and uh, and then we took some time to honor Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah because we would not be together uh, the the seventh or the eighth day rather. And uh, it was a smaller group of us. Many people had to go back to work and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I had to go back home to prepare the kids for school, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we did is we just sat around a small group of us under the sukkah, uh, maybe 15 or 20 of us, and we read through Psalm 119. And uh, and each person took a, a section. Psalm 119 is broken into uh, eight verse sections, uh, which is interesting, right, that there are eight verses and not seven. Uh, but we, we each took a part. And read through Psalm 119, and 
I, I don't. I don't know that I remember uh, that I, or that I've ever had. If I've ever had this experience, I don't know that I remember uh, having it. I've thought about it, and I don't. I can't put my finger on a time I remember where where the the Word of God, just reading the Word, no teaching, no interpretation, no 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 nothing, no added commentary, just reading the Word out loud in community together. Uh, it, people, it broke us. It broke us as a as a group. People were couldn't hardly get through reading some folks, reading their part uh, for just choking up and, and reading about the goodness of God's word and the, the strength of his, his faithfulness and, uh, you know, the lament part of Psalm 119. You know, we're praying, uh, you know, for protection and, and, and the thanksgivings part of 119. I mean, Psalm 119 is the total package. It has, every, it has everything. And, and some people in our group had never read through Psalm 119 really purposely before, and afterwards came to me and said, this is going to be a part of my daily devotion. It, you know, it just uh, was so incredible uh, as we honored the Torah and the joy, the rejoicing over the Torah. They were tears of joy uh, and, and just tears of, of profundity. So uh, it, w- it was a really incredible, incredible, incredible time. And so I want to encourage you guys for next year. Uh, I know we have Hanukkah coming up for those of you that celebrate Hanukkah. Then we have Purim at, for those of you that celebrate uh, Purim. And then we have Pesach. And, uh, and you know, for me, the last several years, uh, the fall feast or the, excuse me, the spring feast have been the really kind of more meaningful ones because I didn't really, I hadn't done a deep dive in the fall feast yet. And, um, and when I say deep dive, I mean, I, I haven't really connected them to other parts of scripture. I haven't really, really, really dug out the different names and characteristics of the feast days, uh, what they meant and what they point to and how they developed throughout uh, Jewish history. Uh, I had not been studying the Maxor and, uh, and the, you know, the, how the, the traditions are done uh, to decide kind of, you know, to look at and decide for us kind of what is some things we want to adopt. And just, uh, it, it's been a really cool uh, evolution and filling out of the feast days. But what I want to challenge you to do is, now that we're after Sukkot, still kind of in the, in the afterglow of Sukkot, um, make plans now for next year. Break out your calendar. For those of you that keep a calculated calendar, like the Hillel calendar, the Jewish calendar, um, you know when it is. I think it's second week of October next year. Uh, make plans. Start making plans now and be intentional about where you're going to spend Sukkot, uh, about who you're going to spend it with, and, and start setting aside some money, which is uh, we're commanded to in the Torah, to set aside some money so that you can have a way to go. Don't wait until you know, a month before. Don't wait until uh, Yom Teruah to go like, oh, I, I wish I had some you know, finances. I just don't have finances to go to Sukkot somewhere. Do it now. Look ahead. Um, if these feast days and, and these appointed times with Hashem are as important as we say they are, then it's time for us to put some feet to it and, and start to discipline ourselves and look ahead and plan. Uh, you know, Paul, uh, Paul warns us not to be, you know, we should not be fooled or we should not be, uh, you know, caught off guard by the times and seasons. That's for people that don't know what's going on. But we do know. And it's important that we, we have discipline and that we, we have some self-control and that we start to plan already. Uh, and so we're going to be holding a couple of you know quick meetings the next couple of weeks to to start to plan for next year already and expand and and, and do some different things. So 
I would really encourage you, and I would invite you, if you are looking for a place to spend Sukkot, I know that OAM is down here on the Gulf Coast, you know, or close to the Gulf Coast. We're out in the middle of nowhere, and it's hard, a hard place for a lot of people to get to. But there is a way to do it. If you, if you like what we do on Shabbat, if you like Image Bearers Radio, uh, and you like the direction that we're going, we would love for you to come and spend Sukkot with us and just let us minister to you and love on you. And, and, and like we did for our guest this week, just, you know, the Talmud says that uh, children, young male, uh, Jewish male children under six, they don't really teach Torah formally, but at six years old, they begin teaching and they stuff them like an ox. And I love that. I've always loved that saying. And that's one thing that I want to do for our guests. I want to stuff you full of uh, love and, and, and hospitality. And those things are very, very important to us. And uh, so start making plans now. So we are going to break in just a second. And after we come back for the break, we're going to be in Vayikra chapter 23, verse 33. And we're going to talk about Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah. Don't go away. Welcome back, guys, to the second segment, uh, and gals, a second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. So we are in Vayikra 23 for this segment, and we're going to start in uh, chapter, in, I'm sorry, in verse 33. Uh, thank you guys for letting me just kind of share and process last segment. That's kind of what that was. It's kind of a processing thing and an encouraging thing, hopefully, for you. Uh, so we're in verse 33, and this is uh, the sub uh, subtitle or the heading in mine is Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret. Uh, I'm reading from the Stone Edition Chumash. Uh, which is the Torah, Haftarot, and the five uh, Megillot, uh, with uh, some commentary and uh, things from rabbinic writings. And uh, so it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. It does read a little differently sometimes. So if you're reading in a different translation, just this is a, 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 this is a Jewish translation. It's an Orthodox translation. So it will read a little differently sometimes. So verse 33, Hashem spoke to Moses saying, uh, speak to the children, B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, saying on the 15th day of the seventh month is the festival of Sukkot, a seven-day period for Hashem. So, of course, this is Tishrei. Uh, this is a seven-day festival, right? Which many, many, many of you will know. Um, and it says a seven-day period for Hashem. And I said this last week, this word for, or in some translation, is to Hashem. Uh, really, really struck me this year, in a, and I, I guess I just haven't, it, has, it hasn't popped like that for me before, um, but to a reminder that we, we are doing this not for us, we're not doing this for each other, we are doing, anytime we do Sukkot especially, we are doing it to Hashem, or for Hashem. It, 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 he delights in the fact that we are uh, setting aside time to spend with Him, and so this is an act of worship to our King, and I think that's so important to to uh, to contextualize and to put into perspective, you know what we're doing. Because let's let's just face it, right? Sukkot can be kind of stressful, uh, especially if you're packing up a family and kids, and you're driving a couple of hours, or you're even you're flying, and you know you're you're trying to get stuff together, and what what are we going to forget, you know, and and what and then we you know we set up. If you, those of you that 
tent camp. Uh, you set up a tent and, you know, do we have everything and is it going to rain? And it can be kind of stressful. And so we can forget that this is our act of worship. This, and we trust God for, for, you know, for our sustenance during that time, like we should all, all other times. And, but it is an act of worship. And I just think that's so, so powerful. Verse 35, on the first day is a holy convocation, Mikra Kodesh. That's important because we're going to have another word later that's important as well. And uh, Mikra Kodesh is a, a calling out, uh, a, you know, a, a gathering. Uh, it involves a proclamation. Uh, and so there's, there's been some different ways to translate this. I know there are some uh, groups within the Torah movement that and say that, well, uh, the, these days are not a convocations. You don't have to gather. Shabbat, you don't have to gather. And, they, and their, uh, their idea is what Mikra Kodesh is, is a proclamation. You just have to proclaim that it is whatever day, and that fulfills the commandment. And, and I understand where they come from, because part of this definition is that uh, it is a proclamation. Um, we tend to err on the side or like uh, assembly and do it together because I feel like we learn so much more from that. And the children of Israel uh, are together in the wilderness. They're all in community. And so I think that's a more full ver- uh, you know, uh, uh, idea of, of what the commandment is getting at. And so it, it's, it's e- either way. It's here or there. Uh, but just part of the commandment of Mikra Kodesh is a proclamation. Um, and the way, the way I understand it, it's a pro- proclamation to gather. In other words, you can't really have a gathering unless you first have a proclamation, some order and some coordination. Uh, so it's a holy convocation. You should not do any laborious work, which generally means your regular work. And verse 36, for a seven-day period, uh, you shall offer a fire offering to Hashem. And on the eighth day, there shall be a holy convocation. So all of a sudden, we have this turn, like this eighth day, right, thing. And we talked about this last week, that Sukkot is seven days. First day is a high Shabbat, we call it, or a holy convocation. Uh, the seventh day is not. It is not. The eighth day, which will be Shmini Atzeret, is the holy convocation. So unleavened bread, you have days one and seven that are high Shabbats. Sukkot, it's day one and eight, right? can be confusing, um, especially when you're trying to figure out day, you know, day starts at sunset and how does it, 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 if you're confused, please don't worry. It'll come, I promise. Keep doing it. Keep working at it. You'll, it, it will become easier as you do it. Um, and so on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall offer a fire offering to Hashem. It is an assembly, this translation says. You shall not do any laborious work on it again. Verse 37, the years of the appointed festivals Hashem that you shall proclaim, there's that word proclaim, as holy convocations, right? So when you have a gathering, uh, I think about the old uh, town criers, right? Would stand in the town center, hear ye, hear ye, right? They, they are proclaiming that there's a message coming and for everyone to gather. Uh, so it should be as a holy convocation, uh, it's libation, and each day is requirements on its day, aside from Hashem's Shabbat, and aside from your gifts, aside from your vows, and aside from your free will offerings, which you will present to Hashem. Verse 39, uh, and let me say this real quick, that it's important that we, it's important that we are uh, honoring Hashem, worshiping together, whatever, uh, you know, that looks like for you, but giving uh, as well all year. And I'm not saying this to say give to OAM. Please understand, I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, but it's important that we are giving all year long. We're giving to the work of the kingdom. 
uh, whether that is to OAM, which would be great, uh, or whether that's giving to whatever ministry you follow that feeds you, or whether it's giving to a homeless shelter or giving to you know Red Cross or giving to whatever. It's important that we are giving to kingdom work uh, all year long, and Sukkot is on top of that. And so there takes some extra preparation during the year while we're giving. It takes some extra preparation uh, to plan for that as well. Verse 39, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you gather in the crop of your land, uh, or the land, you shall celebrate Hashem's festival for a seven-day period. First day is a rest day. Eighth day is a rest day. You shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of a uh, a goodly trees, most translation says. This translation says a citron tree, which is, the fruit is called an etrog, right? The yellow kind of citrusy, lemony looking. It's like a bumpy lemon that looks like an oval. You, you guys know what I mean. Um, and um, this is uh, the fruit of a citron tree, uh, the branches of date palms, uh, the twigs of a plaited tree, and the brook willows. And you shall rejoice before Hashem your God for a seven-day period. You shall celebrate as a festival for Hashem, a seven-day period in the year, an eternal decree for your generations. In the seventh month shall you celebrate it. Uh, you shall dwell in booths for a seven-day period. Every native in Israel shall dwell in booths, so that your generations will know that I caused the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I took them from the land of Egypt. I am Hashem your God. And Moshe declared the appointed festivals of Hashem to B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. So um, what about this, this eighth day? Well, the eighth day theme and the eighth day concept in Scripture is one of the most fascinating for me when I found it. Um, so we all know, or we should know, uh, the idea of new creation, right? That new creation should be a very familiar concept to, to all of us that had any upbringing in church Sunday school, right? Any religious upbringing, uh, one of the main uh, promises and verses, passages of scripture that we quote is all about new creation. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? Chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, this should be a verse that most of us know or at least familiar with. Therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new are renewed in the kind of Hebraic context. Um, and I think that's an important way to read this verse, uh, renewed as opposed to new. And this can be a whole other rant and soapbox that I could get on. Uh, and probably I'm actually going to teach on this this coming Shabbat. So if you're interested in my take on this, uh, then then make sure to, to tune in uh, this Shabbat to our live stream. But um, the idea of old things passing away and being made new. Uh, this is a concept, again, that should be really, really familiar to us, and yet we struggle. We struggle with this idea because we tend to think of it as, well, when I, am, when I come into Messiah, by the way, uh, what does it even mean to be in Messiah? Um, which I don't have a complete answer for that, so I'm not, this is not a gotcha question. Uh, I'm asking you to think about it. We say it a lot. Uh, we, we proclaim, we declare it a lot, but what does it really mean to be in Messiah? Um, does that just mean that we, we confess uh, lordship, his lordship, and we confess loyalty to him, and that, that classifies us as in Messiah? Um, does it mean that, and I think yes, it does mean that, uh, does it mean uh, that we, uh, you know, somehow we are, we have, there's been a transactional exchange 
uh, which is the way I kind of understood it for a long time. We we give up our uh, unrighteousness and accept his righteousness. And so in that case, he's kind of in us, but we're in him. I've heard it, you know, many years, especially growing up as a kid, uh, would hear it explained to, you know, when Hashem looks at us, instead of seeing our dirtiness and our wretchedness and our sinfulness, uh, he sees uh, you know, then Jesus instead. He sees his righteousness instead. So we are in him. We're covered by him, which is a, a beautiful picture. I don't know how accurate it is uh, in the sense that, you know, when God looks at us, all he sees is wretchedness. I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I do think that when we follow Messiah, that we are attributed, you know, righteousness and, uh, and, and good standing. And yet one of the things that we need to, I think, kind of balance for being in Messiah is that if we're in Messiah, what to me what that is starting to mean more and more is that we we do what he did. Uh, and you say, well, like that, yeah, but that's a really sterile way to think about it. It may be sterile, but it's we. How can we be in in Messiah if we uh, if we just go, well, you know, Yeshua Messiah died to give me all this stuff, and I'm really grateful and I'm thankful I'm not going to hell, and um, but then I'm cool, right? I'm good. I kind of do my thing. Um, but we, when we mold our lives to fit him and the image of Hashem that he portrayed and that he lived and he was, um, then, then we, we become closer to being in Messiah as we begin to be transformed by him and look like him more and more every day. And that sometimes that's just really, it is really sterile and practical. It's doing what he did, um, which brings life. That's the, the, the paradox of it. And the irony is that it, it may seem really mundane and, uh, and mechanical, but it brings life. It brings life. And, and you know that. You guys that, that follow the Torah know that. Um, and, and so he, he, if anyone is a Messiah, he is a new creation. Now, the, where the trouble comes in with new creation is that we, uh, we can think of it as uh, the old has gone, the old bad me is gone, and God created something totally new when I prayed a prayer and gave my life to Messiah. But we all have lived long enough to know that that doesn't work. That, that's not true. Uh, that God didn't just leave the old you, bury the old you, and now a completely new you is here. Um, that's not, your coworkers know it, your family knows it, you know it intimately. Um, that while there there is newness to you, there is a, uh, hopefully, uh, when we come to Messiah, there is a, a transformation of our mind and our heart, and that we probably do, and we sh- hopefully should, act in, in many, many different ways to the way that it was our character before. And yet we still all have the same struggles that that we used to have. Uh, Maybe not all of them, hopefully not all of them, but we do still struggle in some of the same ways that we always have. And so what is this new, and and we get into some condemnation, some guilt. Uh, We wear a lot of shame because uh, I thought I was supposed to be new. Why do I have, you know, keep having the same struggles? And so I think a renewal is a a good way to think about it. Uh, But in order to think about a renewal, we have to believe that the first us the first idea of us and, and our entrance into this world was good. Uh, and many of us don't think that. And we weren't trained to think that. We weren't taught to think that. We were taught that when you enter this world, uh, you enter sinful. You enter with the sin problem, the sin seed. Um, and yet we have this age of accountability thing, this weird thing where like if you're a certain age and you, you pass away, God forbid, uh, then you go to heaven because God doesn't hold your sins against you, but you're, I don't know. I, we got some kind of convoluted way of, of making it all work. Uh, for me, it's really easy and really clean to go, like, you know, when God created me, it, it was good. I'm, I'm, I was born good. 
um, and then through 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 sin, if you want to call it that, and then through decisions and through just kind of the Yetzirah, the, the evil inclination, um, and not you know we we become we do bad things, right? We mess up God's house. Uh, we walk into sacred spaces with dirty shoes, meaning our own self. And so we we have this this paradox that we were good, and when when and humanity was good, right? This is more speaking, I think, to to Genesis one and two than it is to our individual lives. That that humanity was good. It was it was tov meod. It was very good when Hashem created it. Um, and so this renewal is back to the original idea of humanity that God had, because it's not a sin. Humanity is not a sin. Being a human is not a sin. Um, to be fully human is really the epitome of the work of Messiah, in my opinion, and several smart, smarter than me scholars. Um, what Yeshua, is, what God is, is, is doing through Messiah is not to make us spiritual, like heavenly, like angels. What God is doing through Messiah, the work of Messiah is making us really truly human and less beastly, more divine image and less serpent, uh, less beast, more sacred space oriented and less out in the field where the wild things are oriented. If that makes sense at all, listen to our Genesis series. It'll make sense. So this whole thing of new creation, uh, old things passing away, all things have come new. This new creation idea should be really, really important to us. So, um, so how many days in creation in Genesis 1, right? How many, how many days, class? Seven, very good. Uh, seven days of creation. And then what is, what's the next day called after the seventh day in, in the beginning of the story? Well, it's called day one, again. And two, three, this is week two, day one. And then after seven days, it's week three, day one. And then week four, day one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this idea of new creation, I always, I, I remember the time it hit me, um, reading about Sukkot and Shmini Atzeret, and I, I didn't understand this eighth, this eighth day. Well, there aren't eight days. What do you mean? There's not, there's seven days. That's the cycle you're teaching us, God. What are you doing throwing in this weird eighth day thing, right? And when I started to link the eighth day with new creation, and this idea that seven days, six days you work, seven day you rest from your work. But on the seventh day, you don't just rest from your work. You also rest for the work that is to come the next six days. And so it's as much resting from as it is resting to or resting for. And so this, this, we know that we have to constantly be working. The question is during the six days of our work, are we creating or are we destroying? Are we bringing order? Or are we bringing chaos? Some weeks I'm creating, I'm creating, I'm, I'm bringing order and I'm killing it. And some days I'm de- tearing down everything that I've built, <laughs> right? I, I'm, some days I'm building wonderful relationships or some weeks, I should say. Some six day periods, I'm building wonderful relationships, I'm, I'm, I, you know, relationships are growing and they're, 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 they're fostering peace and love and trust. 
And then other six-day periods, I'm destroying relationships because my mood or because I'm tired or because I'm negative or because I'm, I'm down or, you know, I'm feeling arrogant or whatever. And so some, some, the, the question is, during these six, seven-day cycles, are we creating or are we destroying? Are we being a partner with God, with Hashem in creating? Are we being a partner with the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, and are we destroying? And so the, but the, the great part is you get another day one. You always get another day one to start over and try again, right? And for me, what Shmini Atzeret, not just for me, but what the, for the Jewish people, what Shmini Atzeret, the eighth day, which by the way, Atzeret, uh, Atzer, Atzera, I think it is, um, that is a, similar to Mikra Kodesh. It's a calling out. Um, so it's, a, it's an eighth day assembly uh, is really technically what the, the Shmini Atzeret means. It's not just the eighth day, it's an eighth day assembly. And it includes uh, a connotation to, for there to be a proclamation. So um, the, the idea of the eighth day is that there's what the, the perfect plan of God is, is that for us to come to a place where we partner with him so closely and that we embody the, the, the Kedusha and the, the loyalty and faithfulness to Hashem and his word and his world, um, we, we become so in, intermeshed but, and bear his image so well, we, we become like him, or not, not even like him, we become ultimate humanity, we become the perfect humans, so to speak, um, that we fulfill the commandment to partnership and the desire of God to partnership. I, that was a weird statement, so let me say that again. The ultimate kind of heart of God, in my opinion, is that we would be renewed to back to ideal humanity. And ideal humanity was created, uh, notice I didn't say perfect, ideal humanity, ordered humanity, and that humanity in the mind of God at creation was to have a terrestrial partner in bringing the kingdom of God to fruition, making it real. And, and at some point, by the grace of, of God, and I believe by the help of Messiah, whether you, be, whether you follow Yeshua's Messiah or whether as the Jewish people do, um, will, are waiting for Messiah to, in our, in our case, return, in their case, come, there will be a time where Messiah will elevate humanity uh, to the place of that, that divine image of the, the perfect humanity, the ideal humanity where partnership can happen. And for me, that's during the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign. And, and that part in time is not the end. That millennial reign is not the end of everything. It's not like, whew, we made it. We get to sit back and rest with Yeshua as king over all the world. Um, this is when people's hearts are really going to be turned towards Hashem. And what Messiah does is he is a precursor for the Father as Elijah is for Messiah. So we have a, a John the Baptist coming before Yeshua in the book of Revelation. We have Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, coming before the return of Messiah. And what is Messiah here to do? In my opinion, in my rendering of the, the, the eschatology uh, right now, again, this could change in the next five minutes or five days or five years, but my rendering is that Yeshua comes and reigns on a thousand years teaching the Torah, teaching love for fellow man, teaching good stewardship of creation, teaching and, and restoring us and bringing us back and renewing us to the ideal image of humanity that God had in the garden and in creation so that we can 
we can clean this sacred space up, that the sacred space is the earth, the whole earth. We can clean this sacred, sp- uh, sacred space up, starting in Jerusalem, starting in Israel and going out to all the nations, and we can prepare it for the coming of the Father. And so the end of Reve- the book of Revelation, chapter 21, is really the beginning of Genesis. It's the same story. It's the cycle, right, over and over, where God will once again, his presence will fill the earth, not be contained to the Mishkan or the temple or the ark, but will fill the earth as the earth is his and everything that dwells in it. And so this, this eighth day is an incredible promise and and point of hope and something for us to not only look forward to coming, but working to accelerate and working to bring. It will come, but we also want to be engaged in partnership in bringing it. And that's really important point that we have a struggle with. Um, you know, some of some of you have heard about, well, you know, the Jewish people believe that they can hasten Messiah's coming. Um, and we think, well, that's crazy. He's going to come when he comes. Right. But if he's coming to help us clean up the earth for the coming of the father, the marriage supper of the lamb and the coming of Avinu, then, then we can understand how we can hasten our help in that coming if we get to work and we start cleaning up the earth and we start, uh, uh, you know, uh, correcting unrighteousness and injustice, starting with ourselves and then with our fellow man and our communities. If we can begin that messianic work, that kingdom building work, spreading light to every person and every nation that we come into contact with, then it, it, we are partnering with Messiah and we are fulfilling doing the thing that he left us to do. And so it may indeed hasten his coming. We are ready. We are ready. And why would he come if we're running away and walking in adultery and disloyalty to him? No, he, wa- he wants to come when we're ready and, and on the verge and, and we're, we're excited. We're in the starting blocks, right? Ready to receive him and to work with him. The eighth day is about renewal and about new creation, renewal of creation. And so I hope we carry that on from Sukkot into the next year and that we renew creation and we make this world a better place so that we can celebrate the goodness of God next Sukkot. Until next week, shalom, shalom. Shalom. 